If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Hello and welcome to the No Need for Prince Charming podcast. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by City Fertility. With a diverse range of sperm donors to choose from and no waiting time, City Fertility are ready to help you fulfill your dreams of growing your family, just like they helped me grow mine. Visit City Fertility today to learn more. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Samantha. I would love to start by understanding what led you to become a solo mum by choice. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I, I had a number of, of factors over the years. Um, oddly enough, I think the first one was a premonition when I was 15. that I saw life going in this direction Um, and then you sort of disregard and you know grow up and get through other stages of life and um, then I ended up getting married and it was a very toxic um, marriage Mm. where children was used against me um, constantly so my ex-husband we would talk about family planning and we would start that and in between waiting to find out whether or not um, we were pregnant, he would tell me things like, oh, I'm going to push you down the stairs or I want you to get an abortion. Or, I'm sure there's a, a rusty hanger around here. Like All these horrific things. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it sort of got to be this roller coaster that I couldn't cope with. And I finally snapped one day and told him, um, you know, look, if you, you make me choose between being your wife and being a mother, I said, you know, see me walk out that door because my call to be a mother is a lot stronger than to be your wife and put up with this. Um, and with, within that month, I left. Wow. I'm imagining that would have been a very hard decision for you to make. Probably, like, did it take quite a bit to see him for who he was and get that courage? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a lot um, because of the life that we had um, at that time. We moved around a lot, so a lot of my contacts were his contacts, and I didn't exactly have my own network independently. Mm-hmm. So it was a very very difficult process to put everything in motion to leave. But once I made that decision, I felt so much better, and I knew it was the right one. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so from there, I just restarted life and um, got back on my feet. And I, I went through a lot of counseling to work on things because I knew at that stage that um, this was something that I wanted to pursue. I didn't want somebody else dangling this over me. Mm. Um, and I, I took it from there and, and did IUI for a bit um, unsuccessfully uh, for a couple of years. And went to see a specialist um, separate from the clinic I was using for that and said, okay, well, um, you know, this is not working and there's no reason for it as far as I can tell and, and, and what are my options? I said, well, you know, let's, let's do surgery and have a look. Mm-hmm. How old were you at this point? Um. 32 mm-hmm. yeah yeah 32 I just turned 32 yeah over a couple um, of years before that point with IUI and the specialist had never suggested doing anything to see what was going on no no they said you know you're healthy and you know yes you're still in a good age bracket and there's no real need for concern and I after two years I kind of went mm, I feel like this it's time for concern <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah did so, you just um, decide that maybe they weren't the right ones for you because they hadn't been suggesting anything or what made you decide yeah, to change specialist? yeah I just I just made a consult on my own and then the person I met with just made me feel so much better mm-hmm. and I felt like all of my questions could be answered and I didn't feel rushed and I felt like I was being heard. Um, and I just felt like they cared about my situation and my future and, and what I wanted. And I didn't have any of that where I was. And at that stage, I just went, okay, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Um, so I switched over to them completely and I said, okay, well, you know, you don't actually have anything in your medical history that suggests that there's a problem, but um, you know, I'm happy to go in and have a look and let's, let's see if there's anything kind of sinister that behind the scenes that's causing you issues. And at that stage we did surgery and we found that I had undiagnosed stage four endometriosis. Wow. Yeah. Um, which had actually caused bowel damage and all kinds of issues in there. So it was horrible. Um, and the doctor says to me, look, you are actually a prime candidate for a hysterectomy because of the internal damage. And I went, no, I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready to give up. Um, so we had to do another couple of surgeries to clean out everything. Um, and she said to me, your next option, your best option is to wait about four weeks mm-hmm. after your, your next surgery and go straight into an IVF treatment. How did you feel through any of this? Did you, did you have an inkling that you might have had endometriosis or something else prior or was it all just a complete blindside? No, it was, I was completely blinded by it because nobody had ever mentioned to me the possibility of that being something I was dealing with behind the scenes Mm. and my my cycles when I was a teenager um, were excruciating and I have a I have a high pain tolerance and 
I remember being doubled over, not able to breathe for mm. the first day, especially. Um, and nobody ever mentioned anything. Um, it was advised at that stage when we started digging through medical history, knowing that that's what was on the inside, that we found um, some of the medication that I had been on over the years had actually suppressed the symptoms. Yeah. And so nobody knew. So I think a lot of girls when they're teenagers have pain and the doctors just prescribe the pill to get over it and, yeah, it just masks what's really going on there. And the amount of women I talk to who is when they try to have a baby discover, like you did, that you have so much endometriosis and there was, yep. you know, it's just been masked for so long and there's all these things that you could have been dealing with that you didn't, were so unaware of. It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. But in some ways I looked at it like a blessing in disguise because had they known about all of that, I could have been pregnant with my ex-husband. Very true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. So I'm going to, to take that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was its own little win. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I had um, I had been on the um, birth control that, was, that gives you uh, four cycles a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was decided that that was a contributing factor as well as the um, depot injections. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she said that um, she had seen that in, in more cases than not people, the common denominator being the depot injections, masking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The things we think we're doing for the right reason at the time. We're always trying mm. to stop ourselves getting pregnant <laughs> we don't realize what it will take to get pregnant crazy well yeah or you know we just don't want to deal with a cycle <laughs> yeah. yeah so you had to wait the four so, weeks and then she suggested you go straight into IVF how did that go yeah so then she she put me in contact with a, um, a fertility specialist that would be able to do my entire IVF treatment um, and they worked very closely for the first few weeks, um, getting everything calculated and my timeline put together. And then I started um, my medication straight away. Um, and they did the I did the injections and the, the pills and the capsules and everything. I mean, it was it was full on. <laughs> um, no, it was good, and they did a, an egg collection as well i was quite fortunate with that mm-hmm. um and from that i ended up with um seven fertilized embryos mm-hmm. um and now there are three the three left three left okay so what did that turn into then uh that turned into someone who's going to be two at the end of this week yeah <laughs> um so that's scarlet um she's she's my firstborn and and my little wonder baby and then i actually had an embryo transfer frozen embryo transfer in between um that unfortunately did not take mm-hmm. and then i had audrey and audrey is getting ready to be 10 months wow Brilliant. 
Yeah. So at least that IVF so, cycle after everything that you went through to have to get to that point was was quite successful for you, which is lucky. It, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm very fortunate to have two from that. Um very, very fortunate. It's a weird concept that they're kind of twins just born quite a few months apart, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, they are actually exactly 14 months apart. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I do kind of treat them like twins. You get dressed up like twins a lot. <laughs> We'd totally be doing that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hard not to. Susie yeah. the two little girls, yeah. Yeah. And how did you find selecting your, your donor for the girls? Um. Gosh, that was that was a process I found actually to be quite stressful because the the information accessible to the Australian donors was so much more limited than the overseas donor, mm-hmm. um, and the the health um, and medical background wasn't wasn't as strong. Okay. You know, like you, you would have, say, four or five pages for the American donors and for the Australian donors, you'd have maybe one. Mm. And I, I just found that really disappointing, you know, because here I am, I'm, I'm wanting this so much and I'm doing everything that I can for it to, to have the opportunity to, to be a mother. Like I want the best thing for my child. And obviously that's the other side as well. Um, you know, so I, I wanted somebody that was, you know, healthy and, and didn't have a lot of health issues in the background that could potentially cause future complications. Um, so that was that was a big struggle in going back and forth between the two. Um, I ended up going with an Australian donor after all. Um, yeah. I waited a little bit of time, and they I had one someone who um, just seemed like the right fit. Um, and so that's, I, I just felt like everything clicked. That's when mm-hmm. I thought, okay, this, this is the right one. It's one of those, you know, peaceful, um, peaceful sensations that you get where you just know you're on the right track. Yeah. Fantastic. And how, when you made the decision that you were going to do this by yourself, did you have a lot of family support and support from your friends? Um, I had more so the most support from my dad mm-hmm. um and he he backed me 110 percent, and and he still does um which is nice but um he knew all the things that i went through in my marriage yeah and he and he said to me he goes the, the best thing about this is you don't have to deal with any baby daddy drama <laughs> <laughs> he said because i don't want that for you um, but he also knew how important it was and he backed my decision to do it this way rather than potentially missing out yeah. the opportunity altogether. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really nice to have him in my corner and he was supposed to be um, in, in a hospital with me when Scarlett was born. Unfortunately, COVID uh, interrupted that um so he he lives overseas and because of the lockdowns he wasn't able to get here for that which was unfortunate he was however present um (laughs) via facetime 
<laughs> which was an interesting concept because the medical staff I had um, were more than happy to accommodate for that. Yeah. Um, so my my best friend was was with me and she was holding my phone <laughs> FaceTiming my father. I got to see Scarlett be born and come and join this crazy world <laughs> that it was at the time. Um, but he was actually there with me and, and completely present when Audrey was born. Him, that was that was lovely. When did he finally get out to meet Scarlett? Um, so we actually ended up going to see him. We surprised okay. him. Aww. Yeah, so we didn't tell him we were coming and we just showed up on his doorstep and I said, here's your granddaughter. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, there's another in the oven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a beautiful <laughs> surprise for him. Yeah, so she had um, she had this onesie that said um, had a little girl on it that said I, I love my grandpa this much with her arms stretched out, mm. um, and that was that was the first time. And we went to dinner later on, and I got her cleaned up, and um, her changed her onesie for that one, and it said um, promoted to big sister. And I just kind of didn't say anything and <laughs> just waited for him to like, because it was, it was colder climate at the time. And I waited for him to like help take her jacket off and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And he saw it and he was like looking at it, looking at me. <laughs> and I went, surprise, <laughs> there's another one in there. It did take him a while to kind of process so, and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's, it, it's a lot for men. I, th- I feel like to to take that on anyway Mm. but then you have someone who's you know a bit older (laughs) my dad's in his 70s um late 70s so it's kind of he's he's a little bit slow (laughs) on the the uptake with things like that oh men just don't notice those sort of things either do they subtleties are not there (laughs) um but when it kicked in yeah it was great and we had a bit of a celebration and it was it was lovely it was good so you had her in one of the many lockdowns Scarlett did you have a lot of support around you or how did you go in those early days um I did I did I had um I had good support um I actually had um my best friend's dad who sort of adopted me Mm -hmm. um was was there and and very supportive which was great um so he spent a lot of time around and and checked in and offered babysitting services and <laughs> all of that so yeah we had um we had kids relatively close in age so it was a, a check-in and check-in on the other daughter kind of thing <laughs> are all my daughters okay yeah 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 is it what you thought it would be when you when you had her obviously it's something you'd wanted for such a long time uh, the delivery or motherhood? motherhood. <laughs> Those are two definitely different things. Um, motherhood, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and gosh, I, I just look at them and I, I think, how did I get so lucky? I've got two amazing girls that just make my heart explode. Mm. And it's the best feeling in the world. Um it was a rough start mm-hmm. um, with Scarlett. I had some complications during um, 
I had a, I had a um, planned C-section with her um, that was due to a spinal injury I had years ago. So I didn't have any other option but to have a C-section. I think it's quite um, common if you've got stage four endo as well. Oh, is it? And they didn't mention any of that, but um, I've actually got a, a lumbar spinal fusion. Oh, wow. So I didn't have the ability to, for my, my lumbar to expand wow. um, properly to push. And when they did the surgery years and years ago, they said, you know, this is your only option. I went, yeah, as long as I can still, you still have a baby. So go forward, that's okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but because of that, the spinal didn't work properly so halfway through I actually ended up with full sensation and they threw every drug at me trying to alleviate the pain um, which just made me really sick Um, yeah so it was that was a bit rough Um, Scarlett actually ended up being born with a bilateral pneumothorax what is Um, that so essentially collapsed lung okay and yeah yeah so they rushed her off um and drained fluid off of her chest and did all of that and she was on a breathing machine in NICU for a week Mm -hmm. so I didn't I didn't have that interaction I never got to hold her first my first visual of her other than the pop over the curtain um was them wheeling her away and I reached over and I grabbed her hand Oh, that would have been so and tough. it's it's still a really emotional moment for me because I relive it and I think you know if they'd just given her to me for just a moment I mean she wasn't in um you know extreme danger or anything she wasn't discolored from mm-hmm. any of that um I've had friends who have had babies who were in a lot worse condition when they were born where they got to do the chest to chest for a brief moment and that is my regret is that I didn't get that. Um, and I ended up with a bit of postpartum with that. And that was something that I went into it aware of. Okay. So I, I knew that I was struggling with her, um, you know, not being able to hold her or do anything, especially for the first week as well. Um, <clears throat> so I've, I've got a bit of a psychology background and, and I've worked right re- around mental health um a fair bit um in my my personal life for a long time and so that was something I picked up on that I was dealing with straight away um it's quite so impressive began, picking it up on yourself yeah yeah it is but you know <laughs> when you've spent oh gosh 25 years in counseling <laughs> at that stage you know it's you, you just pick up on on certain traits and and things and you start seeing them apparent in, in yourself um a lot easier I think um so I did and I put my hand up um I already had a counselor anyway um and I said you know look I'm, I'm struggling with this you know because we're not having that connection we we're not we're not touching I'm not able to hold her I, I I worry that we're not we're not going to bond, um, and I don't want that. You know, I've, I've worked so hard for this that it would just destroy me to not have that. Um, and we we talked about it uh, quite a bit for the first 
um, maybe three or four weeks um, postpartum. And then I remember sitting there one day and I've got, I've got Scarlett in the pram, you know, next to me and we're sitting there having a, a counseling session. And I said, you know, I feel like all of my concerns are just something I dreamt. Hmm. I said, because I look at her and I'm amazed. I'm amazed at everything she's achieved so far. And I just I just want to spend every minute with her. She's just so incredible. And I just look at her and I'm in awe. And it's so funny to think I was so afraid this wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, and you know, that's that's quite normal. It just all of a sudden kicks in and you're okay. And I said, and I'm okay. We're okay. Yeah. Um, and it was just such a relief that, you know, it wasn't any longer than that. But gosh, you know, at the time, those, those four four weeks just felt like... <laughs> <laughs> the longest time um, but looking back now it just it was so quick it was so quick and not anything that I really needed to put the amount of stress into it that I did but you know yeah, first time mom and and you know you, you you just build up so much in your head as well I think going through this process and and trying for so long to be a mother that when it when it doesn't match the story in your head it's a bit harder to deal with. I think a lot of us are a certain personality type going into this journey. <laughs> we have certain ideals about things that are going to work out. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think I think it takes a certain type of personality and mentality to, to go and do this. But I think we and can we all find each other very relatable in that sense. And I think we put an awful lot of pressure on ourselves as well to be to do things and have things the way that we think that they're meant to be and to expect that we're going to be a certain way as we're a mother and all that sort of stuff too. So one day we'll learn to be kinder to ourselves. Never know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the thing, one thing that I went into um, when I had Audrey because she was, you know, another C-section. And I said to them, I said, look, unless she is blue and purple and not at all, doing well and needs immediate oxygen and, and attention I said I want her on my chest I want her to know I'm here yeah and I just kept telling them over and over and over and when she came out they wrapped her up and they put her on my chest and I said okay this is what this is like <laughs> um and it was the best feeling yeah. it was it was what I needed was what I needed because I I think it would have been a lot harder to have two of them back to back that I couldn't I couldn't hold um Audrey ended up having um a very similar issue as well hers wasn't nearly as bad um hers was mainly because she didn't go <laughs> because she was breach mm. so she was she was breach up until um 34 four weeks okay. 35 weeks oh uh, yeah yeah she was happy uh my rib cage however was not <laughs> <laughs> so her feet were on my right side and my ribs just constantly felt bruised um so I was quite uncomfortable with that 
but um yeah she she switched and doctor said look we're gonna do um one more ultrasound and just have a quick check-in on her and I'm like yep great and they said oh she's moved she's in the right position everything's great and I thought oh good I can relax now you know fantastic um <laughs> go back in for the for the uh, c-section she's moved back breach <laughs> and I was like well that didn't last long <laughs> um so they pulled her out and she was feet first and she got a little bit too ambitious and took a deep breath in before she was fully out oh right so she had her own little lung issue from that um but it was not a collapsed lung and not nearly as bad and and she still did a few days um she was on CPAP that time um in Nikki for a couple of days uh, and then she was in with me and we went home and it was a lot easier <laughs> of a of a transition but um she ended up being an emergency c-section after all after all oh. the planning okay yeah it was a, a complicated year with her <laughs> yeah um, she decided i didn't need my gallbladder oh of course not. so they actually they actually took my gallbladder out while i was pregnant Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um I ended up with a few complications from that. Uh after you know, a bit of time we realised that. And they had to do um another surgery and then they had to do a hernia, an umbilical hernia repair when they did my C section for her. Because I had gone in the night before um, in excruciating pain, couldn't touch my belly. Um, it was very, like, my, my belly itself was quite red and, and inflamed. And they did an ultrasound, um, scanned everything, and they said, oh, you've got um, a pocket built up of fluid that's mm. um, sitting behind your navel, and you've got an umbilical hernia, and we think that it's from... <laughs> when they did your gallbladder surgery and the repair after that it was like great and so doc comes in and says you're gonna you're gonna stay overnight well I wasn't prepared for that um and that was that was hard because that was the first night I'd ever been away from Scarlett was and she all of a sudden friend or she was with my dad so I knew she was fine yeah. but yeah it was <laughs> one of those that I was I was not prepared for. I didn't have anything set up for, like for me to not be there and and you know put her to bed and all of that. And it was it was tough to get through that night. I I remember sitting there in the hospital bed just sobbing, mm-hmm. you know, because I didn't get a chance to say goodnight. Um, you know, obviously she was quite young, and and <laughs> telling her on the phone, it just it wouldn't she wouldn't have understood. Mm-hmm. Just interrupting this episode for a quick word from our sponsors. Not only have City Fertility sponsored this episode, they are also extending a very generous 20% off discount for all of my listeners. That's 20% off IUI, IVF, ICSI, as well as six months complimentary egg, sperm and embryo storage. If you're just starting out or about to undergo treatment to make your baby dreams come true, head to the show notes for my discount code and a link to their website for more information. Yeah, so that was... 
that was a bit of a, a struggle. And then the next morning, Doc comes in and says, I've reviews, reviewed your um, observation reports and everything from overnight. And I've got all your test results. And we're having a baby today. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm not organised for that. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, this, this is, we're, not, we're not ready for this yet. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's nobody really prepares you for how quickly your firstborn grows up hmm. when you suddenly have the second one. And it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I saw her the day before and I went into the hospital, you know, that night and she was awake and I, I said, okay, I'll, mommy's going to go and get checked and then I'll, I'll, I'll be back. And, you know, I ended up staying that night in the hospital and, she was just, she was my little, my little baby. And then the next day, she was not so little anymore. And and that was hard because they, they grow up so quick anyway. But I feel like that night just, you know, it almost aged her a year in my eyes because it just felt like so much time and time I didn't get to prepare for. And then all of a sudden, here's Audrey, you know, a tiny little baby and next to her, even though she was still a baby, she just was so much bigger. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not ready for her to be too. <laughs> but yeah, and I'll, I'll probably be the same way when Audrey turns one. I'm not ready for this. Was it ready when Scarlett turned one? <laughs> You'd be like that every birthday, I'm sure. Every uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of people that are listening that uh, might have one and are thinking about having number two. You obviously had yours yeah. quite close together. How did you find those early days, especially after a cesarean with a, I guess, a toddler and a baby? You know, what was that like? Yeah. Um, I, I was I was fortunate to have good support. Um, I had I had my dad there with me, and um, he kind of jumped in and said, "Okay, what do I need to do?" <laughs> um, so I just sat there, kind of dictating, "Go and do this, and I need this, and can you mm-hmm. grab me this?" And yeah, it was it was good. So you definitely need the support for that. Um, but it was it. It was smoother than I would have anticipated. Okay. Um, and I and I think, well, for me, I actually did I did them that close for a reason from a psychology standpoint. Um, and if you're planning multiple children, I I would suggest that you consider the same um, the same options or or the same. The same approach, I should say. Yeah. So I, I think that it's, you know, it's one of those that when you when you first have, you have one and you spend, you know, all your time with them, they get all of your attention and it's, and it's great. You know, you love it. They love it. Fantastic. But then you decide that, okay, I want to have another child. And then the, your firstborn has to share so much more of you. Mm. Um, and it can be quite hard. Um, especially the longer that they've had one-on-one with you. And 
I I did them close in age so that Scarlett didn't have that much time exclusively um, where she would feel like because I was the only parent that she was not important enough. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want her to feel that way. But what I also wanted was for her to learn sharing um, and time management. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's always a good thing to start early. Um, and so that was that was kind of my my view on that because she doesn't really remember Audrey not being there. Yeah. And Audrey doesn't remember a time without Scarlett. And they've always had somebody as as long as they can really remember. And then they've always had mum. And it just is it's an easier transition, I think. So Scarlett would have been about five um, months. Yeah. Can I do maths? Yeah, she would have been five months when I got pregnant with Audrey. Yeah, I think I was just days away from six months. How was being pregnant with having such a young baby at home? Uh, well, I was fortunate and didn't have <laughs> any major morning sickness or any kind of early complications. So other than, you know, this standard kind of bloating that you deal with after dealing with IVF, you didn't really have anything. So it was, it was pretty cruisy in that sense. Mm-hmm. I was quite fortunate with that. <laughs> Um, but I just, I had the opportunity to sit down with her um, as my belly grew and say, okay, well, you know, you're, you're a little baby and you were in mommy's tummy and now there's another little baby in mommy's tummy and this is your sister and mm. she's going to come out one of these days and she's going to be a smaller you. She's going to be just like you, another little tiny human. And, you know, mommy's going to love her just as much as she loves you. And I would talk to her about these things and I would explain to her and, and she would sit and, and nestle in with me and just kind of hug like the belly. Mm. Uh, and it was just, it was so nice. And then in the mornings when she would wake up and I would go in um, and, and stand at her cot and I had this good morning song that I would sing. And um, she would stand there and hug the belly, the belly, and say, "Baby, baby's in there," and and she would pat the belly and and just give me a big hug around it, and then like lean back and look at it, and then pat the belly, like she like she knew, um, and it was just you know, such beautiful little moments. Yeah, um, <laughs> I can't wait to share it with them when they're older and bickering with each other she's always in my room and (laughs) couldn't wait for her to be born (laughs) um but it's it's great um you know even at their age now you know I mean two under two and um gosh they're two peas in a pod they're absolutely inseparable yeah um and it's it's so beautiful uh Scarlet gets up and goes goes to uh, Audrey's cot. Baby, sissy, sissy, hi, hi. Mm-hmm. 
and she just tries to press her through the cart and she just she can't wait for Audrey to come out and Audrey just she's oh my gosh she's nearly walking already yeah wants to keep up with Scarlett obviously yeah and they say that you know they say the second one always learns how to, to to crawl and and walk a bit quicker because I've got somebody to chase after. Mm. Yep. <laughs> I'd say that's definitely true for sure. Um, but they're just, they're so beautiful together. Um, they go, they go to the same daycare. We've got this lovely center um, that has a gate between the two areas and for the under twos in the nursery. And so mm-hmm. Scarlett has the ability to go up to the gates where to um, Audrey's nursery room um, and she goes up there and she sissy sissy and she starts looking for her and and you know the educators bring Audrey over and Scarlett gives her a cuddle and she gets really um, unsettled at any stage of the day um, Scarlett I mean um, they just take her over there and she just sits with Audrey for a few minutes and she's completely fine she's settled down everything's good Aww, that's sweet they just yeah yeah they they have just such a, a close connection. It's, it's great. Um, this, this morning I took them in and Scarlett was all happy to be there. And then all of a sudden the song ended that she really liked. And then she was like, oh, mama, mama, you know, and not wanting me to leave. And, and she realized I still had Audrey. Mm-hmm. And so she goes straight running to the gate. And she stands there because she knows I have to walk through the gate to put her in. And so <laughs> she's she's gonna stay with me until I get Audrey settled and so I get get Audrey in there and, and she sits down immediately. Mm. They said, Oh, she'll she'll stay here with Audrey until after they have morning tea and then she goes back over. She's <laughs> <laughs> like morning tea with them. Yeah, she's just like has morning tea with them and they're like she does this like two or three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> so you back working now and trying to juggle everything or yeah 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 it's, it's hectic um i'm actually doing a uni degree i'm oh, wow. working and i've got two under two <laughs> you've got to have some good tips then on how you manage your time to get all that i i used to be this this highly organized micromanaging person um, and everything worked everything flowed and it was great you can't do that with cubes <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I've learned to embrace the chaos yeah. um, and and know that at some stages you just have to go off their schedule get them you know settled and then you can hop back in. Um, but it, it did take me a little bit because I'd, I'd been this you know, organized individual and <laughs> making everything, you know, like perfect by my definition. Mm. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, kids, you can't do that with them. Uh, they don't work. You can't put them in boxes. <laughs> Be nice if you get sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But no, no. The the organization is 
required is is completely different at that stage. Yeah, but um, yeah, I make it work. It's crazy, and sometimes it's you know getting up extra early um, to to tackle a few projects, and sometimes it's sitting in bed with the laptop trying to stay awake. You have just just five more minutes. I just have to finish this one. You know, <laughs> one section. But I think it helps when you're doing something that you you really love. Um, so so for me, um, I I was an author before I was a mum. Yeah. And my my passion, um, you know, is is there. You know, is is being an author and and writing and and at that stage of going through having my first book published, I found how much I like the publishing side mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And so that's what I've gone for is, is a degree in publishing. Amazing. Yeah. Studying and working and two kids under two. Amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's completely normal to have um, uh, a wine selector's <laughs> subscription. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's quite healthy to have that. <laughs> oh. And so if you look no. back now, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently on your journey? Not really, to be honest. Um, I learned a lot. Yeah, I, I learned a lot about me. I mm-hmm. learned a lot about the things that I want in life and what's acceptable and what isn't. And it took a bit longer than I thought in getting here. But in a way, I'm glad it did. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I had, you know, those couple of extra years where things didn't go as planned because I went on some amazing trips, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some amazing solo trips, um, which was really good for me, I think, in figuring out a bit more, um, like diving into to who I am at my core. Yeah, And I think that was that was really important um, for my own mental health and, and well-being and I think I think that's something that everyone should do uh, at least once go on a solo trip go and explore somewhere you've never been by yourself um, I, I, I think it's it's great for the psyche it's, it's really important to to do and so I did that and, and ticked a couple of um, bucket list items um as well and things that would not be suitable to achieve uh after having children (laughs) (laughs) um like you know driving fast cars (laughs) you know in in doing my my last um solo trip it just reinstated how much i want to be able to travel with them Mm Um, and how much of the world I want them to be able to see from from a young age to understand culture and there's such a big world out there that's needing to be explored. If you won Lotto and could go anywhere, what's your top three places you want to take them first? Um, Europe would be number one mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, we we're actually hoping to to relocate. Um, to the UK sometime in the next two to three years. Amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, that'll be um, kind of one of my my dream job. <laughs> um, it's is there uh, to be a part of one of the top five publishing houses in the UK is number one career goal for me. It would, would be ideal, but for for me in that sense, I I say that for them because there's so much buildings, cathedrals, castles, anything like that, that are thousands of years old, um, still standing, a lot of which are still being used for their original um, built purposes. And I find that to be extremely humbling. Mm. Your significance against something that's been around so long, isn't it? Yes, yes. And you're just a dot on the timeline. And I don't think you can really grasp that concept until you've stood next to one. I remember that feeling when I was in the Colosseum going, yeah. I studied this. I know how long it's been here. How is this still standing as much as it is? It's insane. Yeah. yeah. And it's, like, it's an incredible experience. And I think I think that's something that's really important to, to have. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to be able to put them in an environment where they can travel around and, and see that. For so much of my life, I think I was just obsessed with finding that other person to complete this ideal of what I needed to complete me. Never needed that. I just needed her. Yeah, yeah. See, I never I never really had that, I think, because like I said, I had I had this premonition when I was 15 that I, this is the way my life was going to go. And I... I've always been one of those anti-Disney fairy tale people because yeah. I just I don't like not to sound I know this is going to sound so cynical but it's it's not it's just the realist in me. Um, I don't think that everybody has a person, mm. and I'm a firm believer of the people who enter your life have a reason to be there whether that's you know they're going to add something to your life you're supposed to add something to theirs everybody comes and goes for a reason and when their time's up and they've done what they need to you've done what you need to they move on and sometimes they are just never leaving yeah yeah um and i i just never thought that there was that that one person, that perfect person for me. And so I've just kind of gone about my life this way. And then when I when I met my ex-husband and um, we sort of started dating and I <laughs> I remember telling him all about this and saying, you know, I, I just and never think that I would meet anybody that I would want to actually spend the rest of my life with. And oh, yes, he said to me, "You're crazy, woman. You're crazy. You don't have to do this life on your own." And I thought, "Oh gosh, that sounds nice." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it turns out <laughs> maybe you didn't, we're not doing it on your own. You're doing it with two perfect little angels. I am, I am, yeah, and they are—they are the best company. Gosh, um, and and you know, not not to say that I'm not open to a relationship. Um, I just, you know, 
the reason why I moved my timeline when I did was because they, you know they said you've got too much damage mm. and we're gonna have to to do more surgeries and, and clean it out more and and I thought no no not yet not until I've given it my all and I just I didn't want to miss out mm. and I'm, I'm grateful every day for the fact that I, I made that decision and followed through on it um, but yeah I mean if if somebody comes along then you know, it's it's not something I'm looking for but it's something I'd say I'm open to and the right person will understand why I've done what I've had what I've done and and respect the way that I've done it um, and and accept and love us for the package deal we are if you yeah. were to give advice to anyone who's kind of on the fence about whether this is the right path for them or not what would you say to them um it's it's twofold so it's it's one of these things that we need to be really logical about it because it affects other lives um and and going forward you know it's it's not just us but it's you know our our future child you know as well so it's you've got to be in the right headspace for it but this is definitely a decision of the heart Mm -hmm. and I feel like you'll know when it's the right time. Yeah. Um, you'll just kind of be at, at peace with your decision. Everything will click in and you'll just, you won't feel the pressure of it. Yeah. And you, you shouldn't be putting pressure on it, you know, on yourself for it anyway. Um, it's just, just enjoy you know the the process of going through it, and, and it's tough. It's a tough process, you know. Got, it it does a lot to you mentally, mm. uh, emotionally, and obviously pregnancy takes a big toll on you physically. It's a hundred percent worth it, <laughs> but it is it is um, it is a journey. It is a journey, and unfortunately for some, it's a longer journey. So definitely worth definitely worth well, thank you so much for sharing your story tonight samantha i can't wait to follow your journey and see where you and your little your little family end up all around the world and what adventures you get up yeah. to very exciting times yeah. ahead for you all well we're, we're gonna try to um to get a bit more established um as the three of us before we grow but um i am Definitely hoping that um, one of those other Frisbee embryos has perhaps a little brother for you, for the girls. Ooh. We're a couple of years away from, from looking down that track if, if health still allows it. Right. So there won't be quite such a small gap, obviously, for the next one. <laughs> no, no. But that's because, you know, they'll have always had someone so going a bigger gap and then introducing someone is okay because they, they're still, you know, they've, they've been sharing. Yeah. So then it's a lot a lot easier. And they'll be a bit older and, and have a better grasp and understanding of, of what's really going on at that stage. Wow. Mm. Well, there's lots to follow you in there. Find out what ends up. <laughs> bigger family, Europe, 
hopefully big five publishing company. Very exciting. Yeah. More books. More books. I'll put the link in the bio for everyone to check out your books as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I co-wrote a book called Achieving Parenthood um, with a lovely lady, Carrie, um, Kelly Harrington, and we brought on some fertility specialists for that, which was really interesting um, to be a part of. And I, I dive a bit deeper um, into my story of, of achieving parenthood yeah. for that as well. And we've got other stories of uh, people who um, did adoption and used surrogacy and other other ways to to achieve their families. So that's you know don't, don't get disheartened if, if you know fertility issues or or it's not something that your body allows you to do. There's there's other ways to become a mum. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We'll make sure we share your books and include it in um, an upcoming book club as well. I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.